Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that Chasing Health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming the best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I have with me today my coach, Jordan Lips. We have been following each other for a little while now, or I've you know, started out watching his stuff and following his content back in the beginning of my own weight loss journey, um, even while I was working with my other coach, Josh. And then at the beginning of the year, around February, we started working together. He was doing my personal training. And then eventually, Jordan took over my nutrition as well and been working together for a while now. It's going great. Love him as a coach, his friend. And super excited for today's podcast, but welcome Jordan to the show. What's going on, man? Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So glad to have you. And before we kind of dive into some content here, tell me a little bit more about yourself or tell my listeners a little bit more about yourself. What's what's going on? Who, who are you? I am. My name is Jordan Lips. I'm 30 years old. I've been a personal trainer since I was in college and I've kind of run the ranks of like all the different jobs you can have in this field. I've been a, started as a personal trainer, moved to like managing other trainers, moved to a gym owner, uh, at some point realized that what I wanted to do most is work directly with people. And so the further I got from that, the more, the less fun I was having in my life. And so prior to COVID, I sold my stake in a personal training, like boutique style gym in New Jersey, went fully online, moved across the country and just uh, totally changed what I was doing and now work directly with people as a one-on-one coach online, as well as I have a group program that just launched and I'm having a ton of fun with both of those. And uh, yeah, just, I'm sure that there's everybody out there who has a a passion for fitness in some way was going to, is going to find which of those jobs they like the most, but I, I recommend getting out there and experimenting. Maybe you like teaching coaches, maybe you like teaching clients, maybe you like working with a certain type of clientele, et cetera. And so experiment with that stuff. It's been very helpful. I don't know why I went on that tangent, but that was important, I think. Um, and what are my credentials? Maybe I'm certified through N1 as an online coach and I'm certified through Mac Nutrition as a certified nutritionist. Uh, and so I work with a wide array of clientele from clinical settings. Uh, people want to work on improved biomarkers, just get healthier in general to people who want to get kind of jacked. I don't really work with competitors much, not really an interest of mine. I'd rather work with like a regular person who wants to get healthier and probably build some muscle too. too. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, today I want to bring you onto the show because I want to get dive into more about setting up like a strength training routine or some type of routine that, you know, I talked to a lot of my own clients and also just people on Instagram and Facebook and other places that like, they say, like, I hear this way too often is I want to work out. I want to start working out, but I don't know what to do. Or it's, you know, I, oh, I, I go get on the treadmill or, you know, use elliptical for about half hour a day. And they consider that their workout and not that that's, you know, movements, movements. So like I'm proud of anyone who just gets out and moves. I mean, that, that alone is just great, but I feel like so many times people hesitate to start actually doing some type of resistance, resistance training or strength training, because they just don't know where to start. And I think that's the hardest thing. And people get that paralysis by analysis mentality of, and just kind of just freeze and never really get started. Um, so I want to kind of start out with, you know, if someone who is brand new to all this, or maybe they just started going to the gym, they just got a gym membership, or maybe they've never worked out in their life before any type of strength training, where do you even start? And we'll just, and we'll kind of expand on multiple areas of this, but just kind of starting out, how do they get started? Yeah. It's an important question. I think that a lot of the fitness industry forgets to answer this question for a lot of people. And there's like a, a certain barrier of entry. Uh, and a lot of people end up not pursuing, let's say muscle and strength goals because of whether it's intimidating or it seems too complex. So definitely an important question to ask. Um, and you're right. There's going to be a couple tangents from this answer, but the first, I, I always, I love the answer because I believe in it a ton is find a coach because this isn't, you know, man, you just don't have enough time in life to get good at that many things. And this isn't something that most people need to get really good at. You know, you need to you need to get, uh, you need to be competent at some point if you're looking to have, uh, you know, if you have a, uh, aesthetic or strength pursuits mm-hmm. or just health pursuits, you want to be competent. You want to know kind of what you're doing. And I understand that I respect that. I, I want to work with people who want to know as well. But I also understand that hiring a coach and offloading some of that is, is massively beneficial. Um, this is not something that you need to be a massive expert in. It's something you need to hire help with. The problem is in the follow-up question to that is like, how do I pick a coach that's right for me? 
because I know that there have been negative experiences where people are maybe even more intimidated or just gun shy to like pursue help um, because of a negative experience. That's another question in and of itself. So I do think the first thing is to hire a professional. And then if we're talking about which professional, which person, personally, I would find somebody who, it's interesting because we live in a world of social media. And, and this is something I actually find amazing about social media is if you put a vibe out there, let's say you speak in a certain way, you talk about certain topics, you show that you work with certain people, you're going to attract that clientele who kind of vibes with the way you speak, somebody who understands and, and likes the way you're talking about stuff, you know, that maybe the compassion that you speak with or the directness that you speak with. And so I would get out there and start to, you know, it's tricky, man, go out and follow fitness people. That's a that's a, you know, blindly throwing darts. It's a black hole of people. And so and you can bark up some of the wrong trees. Um, but if you guys are listening to this, you're already a, a couple of steps ahead of the game because you know Chase and he's one of the good ones. And so I would say spend some time vetting good coaches, you know, get on Zooms with people. If people won't get on a Zoom with you, they're already not the right person for you because you are a beginner and you're going to need some help and you're not going to need a cookie cutter program. That's only via email. You need to see your coach again. That's not everybody. Some people are so far along that they're like, Hey, send me a program. Let's email back and forth once a week and we're good to go. But the mm -hmm. person asking this is like, man, I'm, I'm at square one. And so find a coach who's going to be there with you. Maybe it's a person in person, personal trainer, hundred percent. I think that's a really mm -hmm. great option. If you can find a, an in-person personal trainer, who's really great. It will be an online coach. Who's equally great. Um, I'm a little biased. I think there are a lot of great online coaches who can do this job really well. But if you can find an equally good person that you vibe with in person, I, I recommend that a ton um, just to even just break the barrier of entry and get in there and, and, and learn some of the exercises. And um, I do think that pursuing and vetting and spending some time trying to find the right person, even if it's not the most knowledgeable person, I will say what I would rather see people do is find somebody that they're comfortable with, that they can open up to, that they, you know, is compassionate towards their situation, has worked with people in their situation. Like, it doesn't matter if you know exactly which arm path is going to be optimal for the upper pec development. Like, get somebody who sits with you on Zoom for, you know, whatever, uh, over whatever frequency of time for an hour to hear you out and hear what you're struggling with and work, work with you on it. Um, and if you can't find somebody like that, get out there and apply for some coaching, get on zooms with people. Like most people aren't going to make you pay, but man, that's tricky. I don't know if that's true, but it's, I wish it was true that most people will get on a zoom with you or a call or something Hope so. before making you pay. Yeah, me too. Again, if that person's not willing to do that, that's already not the right person for you. That's just like immediately move on to the next one get to know some coaches to try and you might not get it right the first time. And, and, and I feel sorry for those situations where you don't get it right the first time and it's not a good fit, but keep going. There's, there's a coach out there for you. And um, I would, I would absolutely begin with hiring some help. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. And, and I found, and I found myself even like when I started out with my own, like strength training, you know, I, I, I really started out in, in the gym, of course, with like cardio stuff. And <laughs> that was like my beginning. And then like it progressed to the machines and really just kind of like walking machine to machine and like just looking at the diagram on the machine and like using that as like, tell me what to do. And then I would move on to the next one. And if I never really had like a specific like routine, I wasn't tracking my workout. So I didn't know like how I was progressing or whatnot. And it was just kind of go in, work out till I'm fatigued and get out. Um, and then, you know, when I first hired a personal trainer, that was um, back in about fall of 2019, I hired an in-personal trainer just to like learn the free weights and like learn the some of the basics, like the squat, the deadlift and the, um, uh, bench press. Like that was just like, just want to get some experience with free weights, a little bit of dumbbell work and building some type of plan together. And I worked with him for just a couple of months, just to, like, until I felt safe with my form and such. And then from there, I kind of started to write my own and like kind of looking up some workouts online that were free weights related. So I felt like I had some more direction, but then it got to the point where like, I just felt like I was a lost puppy walking around the gym, like not a clue where, what to do next. And like, that's eventually when I you know, reached out to you for personal training and definitely a great decision. I love like being able to walk in, like guys, if you're someone like, and I don't want to go down this tangent of like the orange theory stuff, but I will say if like, you are someone who like enjoys being able to walk in somewhere and not have to think about what you're doing, just have someone tell you what to do then coaching and, or having a personal trainer is that exact same thing. It is so nice to, be able to walk into the gym, know what I'm doing for the day, just do it and leave and not have to think about, well, how many sets should I do here? How many, what kind of weight should I do? Should I do upper body day here or lower body day here? What should I do? So highly recommend coach. Couldn't agree more with that. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's pause on that for a sec. Cause I do yeah. think that there's a big orange theory. Can I use orange theory as like a umbrella term for all like, 
yes hit slash weight slash cardio classes whether it's f45 or barry's boot camp or anything like that and <laughs> honestly if you're do listen uh, if you're if you're doing nothing then anything is already better than nothing. And I fully support all of those classes and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. They, you get massively healthier than doing nothing. I think it's a great Absolutely. idea. Um, and what's interesting is as you are new to strength training, building muscle, even, you know, if you're out there, you don't even know what the word hypertrophy even means, then you're at this place where you're like, okay, I'm brand new to this stuff. What's cool about being in that position is the need for complexity only scales the longer you do something. And so when you are at that square one, What's cool is a lot of the questions that you might have, of like, how do I set up a workout? What order of the exercise? How many reps? Like how many sets? A lot of that stuff matters a whole lot less. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can get by with doing the absolute basics with not minimal effort, but with less effort and less thinking about the complexities, the longer you are. And so this is something you did where, you know, you started off doing what you knew, which you realized quickly was not much. And then you grabbed a personal trainer and you're like, okay, expand my horizons a little bit, get my technique good get my technique better, improve my technique. Oh, that's terrible English. And then you got to a point where you were like, okay, I know how to sit down at this pull down machine. I know how to do it. And I know that I'm doing 10 ish reps and I know how to work hard, but I still have other questions. And so then you went out and you found somebody who has answers to those questions <laughs> myself. And, and <laughs> we learned together, but what's cool is if you're listening yeah. out there and you have complex questions, you most likely don't even need the answer to that right now. What you probably <laughs> need to do if your goal is to get into the gym and start lifting, if that is the goal, I would first just look at how many days, like what's your time allocation? What is your realistic time allocation? Start with how many days can I get into the gym and for how long do I have? Because you might Google a program or download somebody's you know cookie cutter plan and it's like five days a week for an hour and a half. And you're like, well, I don't have this time. Mm -hmm. I have three days for 45 minutes. Where can I find something like that? And it does circle back to our our hiring a coach because that's going to be somebody who's going to you know uh, take whatever you have and help you optimize it. and so i think that that's a, an important part of having somebody personalized for you but think about the time allocation that you have yeah i was trying to think of like what would be the ultimate basics discussion would be like how much time do i have in the gym realistically not if i leave my kids at school for another 45 minutes like like how much time do you realistically have to train yeah. And then we can talk a bit if we want about how to organize a day at the gym. But man, if you, if you do what you did where you're just like, Hey, I'm going to sit down with this machine, look at the picture and do it. And you just work freaking hard. Like that's, I mean, that's a whole, you can get a whole lot further than you think with like just sitting down and working hard at certain pieces of equipment for a while. Mm -hmm. I still think you could, you'd be better off just skipping that step and hiring a coach to help you at least navigate and not, not maybe spend six months just randomly working out on machines, but mm -hmm. you can get away with not having a lot of complexity to anything at all for a while. You only, it only, it's like when you're learning math, you don't need the, the trigonometry textbook before you have the pre-algebra textbook. And so mm -hmm. people are like, well, how do I do like Y equals MX plus B? Is that algebra? Is that geometry? But you're in second, <laughs> you're in like third grade. It's like, you don't need to know this yet. Yeah. Um, and so, that is at least somewhere I would start with like taking a deep breath and saying, if you have questions that feel complex, that feel overwhelming, it's chances are you don't even need to know the answer to that question right now. I agree. And, and you mentioned splits and days, days a week of working out. And so I, I wanted to cover that. So is there a special split? Or is there a, an important split? Is there, you know, someone who thinks that they need to work out six days a week or someone who feels like, oh, I only have two days a week, you know, is there a, one that's better than the other? Yeah, here's the, the split slash frequency discussion. I would say that for most people, if you want to see brand new rank beginners as well, I would break it down like this. Two days is probably just enough to maintain. Three days begins, you know, eclipsing the threshold for I can actually make adaptations. I can make change. And again, if the newer you are to training, the more you can make adaptations with less work. So if you're new, mm -hmm. three days is awesome. You can probably see amazing changes mm -hmm. for a while. Um and, and uh, forever, but it, it will be diminishing as you, as you gain more muscle, you need more training to continue gaining more muscle. So if you're brand mm -hmm. new to training, two days is probably enough to maintain. And again, if your goal is to just get used to things and obviously you'll probably gain a little bit of muscle in the beginning, two days can be fine. But in general, I would phrase it as two days is enough to maintain three days begins, you know, minimal gains. But if you're new to training, still noticeable gains. Mm -hmm. And then four days is probably, it's probably where I cap it out for most people. You need a mm -hmm. real good reason. I don't even work with the kind of person who would tell me they need to work out five days a week. And I'm not saying I would turn them down. Like I just, I don't think less of them. I'm just saying it's unlikely that if you're a, if you're a non-competitor that you need to be in the gym more than four days a week. 
And so I'd say three to four is the sweet spot for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a gym in your house and you prefer shorter workouts, okay. I have a couple of clients who train five days a week, but they do shorter workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it's just in their basement and they're like, you know, uh, they don't have kids running around in the job and whatever. <laughs> this is like a, something that they can have more time for. So if you're listening to this, I think you should, the takeaway would be, Hey, three or four days a week is plenty for me right now, especially while I'm starting out. Absolutely. And then from a, from a split perspective, people are like, oh, well, what muscle groups do I do on what day? Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, split doesn't matter if total volume across the week is equated. We could talk about what that means. That means if you do a back day where you do 10 sets of back, it's the same as if you did two upper body days where you did five sets of back on one day and five sets of back on another day. So what Mm -hmm. that means is like we can all take a big exhale and say, hey, split isn't really going to matter much. I want you to decide how many days a week you can train. I want you to allocate 30 to 75 minutes, depending on how, where in that range is a sweet spot for you. And then let's say it's three days a week. I would say again, because we just said split doesn't matter. So then how do we pick if it doesn't matter? Do I just Mm -hmm. go in there and do random shit? Eventually I have to pick something. And so Mm -hmm. if you're training three days a week, there are some more logical ways to split it up. I'd say, and the two options I would choose would be either a lower body, upper body, full body split, where you're doing lower on one day, upper on one day. And the third day would be full body or three full body days. Or if you really are like care way more about one part of your body or half of your body, you could do lower, upper, lower or upper, lower, upper, but that would be my third option. I'd rather see a beginner do a more balanced split of upper and lower. Mm-hmm. So or, uh, lower, upper, lower, upper, full or full, full, full can all be really, really great. Um, if you're doing four days a week, I recommend an upper, lower split where you have, let's say day one is upper, day two is lower, day three is upper, day four is lower. Um, and each of those upper body days. So you'd have two of them would be, would consist of different exercises. You wouldn't be repeating that same day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to get more complex than that. It can, but not for the person who's asking the question of how do I get started, man, go in there, see how many days you can work out, see where in the 30 to 75 minutes you have available. And if you're newer, 75 is freaking long, Mm -hmm. uh, probably need less. And then pick lower, upper, full or full, 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 or if it's four days, do an upper, lower split. And then, man, we can, I don't know how much further you want to go from there. Um, but you know, uh, that's at that point where personally, I think honestly, as I start talking about this, I even have a podcast chase that says, Hey, how to build a decent program for hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. So we can link that below and it goes a little yeah. bit more in depth as to like, how would I organize an upper body day? How would I organize mm-hmm. a lower body day? Um, that's fine and all. And as I'm making that podcast, I think at some point I stop and I just think in my brain, I'm like, this is cool. I, I respect the person who's out there like taking notes and going to make their own workout. But I would probably still at this moment be like, yeah, I don't want to be doing this. I don't need to be remembering exactly how to put this together. You mm-hmm. want to be competent, but you also probably want to offload this to somebody else. Uh, and so at some point, I think hiring a coach, but using that coach partially to learn. So it's, you don't want to just entirely turn your brain off and say, yeah, I'm just going to show up in the gym, do what my coach says. Like you and I, have a nice balance of, Hey, I, I kind of tell you, this is a good thing, mm-hmm. but we have a discussion about yeah. what do you like? What are, what, why are we doing this? And so I think that that's, uh, I don't, it's not a plug here, but I know that there's, there's people out there who are going to help you not just tell you, mm-hmm. I think that that's important to, to find Super out. Important. Yeah. No, no, I agree. And, and that's, I mean, as you know, like you said, like you and I working together, it's, I'm, I love asking the questions and wondering why, like, I feel like if you are working with a coach, like that's one of the most important things you can do is ask why don't just always like, I'm not saying you have to like question every single minute little tiny detail that you're working with a coach, but like, but like ask why understand why. And because that's just, and that's also going to help with your compliance as well. Like there's so many times where I'm going to be doing something and it's like, I don't even know why I'm, you know, he's having me, you know, hold, hold my arms up, you know, a second longer than, you know, than just saying you know, drop my arms down or whatever it may do on the workouts. But like, once you know why you're doing something like that, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. I should be doing that. And so definitely would encourage everyone to like ask more questions, you know, and, and the good thing is, even if you are working with a coach who maybe doesn't know, like every little minute details of that kind of stuff, like they know where to go, they know who to ask and, you know, find out more information for you. And, you know, a good coach would do that for you. Um, if you have a coach that gets annoyed that you ask questions, you need to get a new coach immediately. There's a difference between what you said, which is like questioning everything mm-hmm. and being interested. There's a difference. Exactly. I would, I would much prefer my clients to want to know why we're doing everything. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some times where I give you a very simple answer variation. Maybe we're doing it 
just because it's different than last time, just because mm-hmm. it's fun, right? But there are going to be other times where it's, a, you know, physiological difference or, you know, like you said, it will just help adhere. This might be an, adhe- an adherence tool. Um, man, if you, I, I just had somebody apply for coaching the other day and they're like, hey, I'm not sure if I could benefit from this. Like I, you know, I know quite a bit, but blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, you might not hire me for your specific goals. You might hire just to have a sounding board, somebody to ask questions to, somebody to explain mm-hmm. stuff to you. And first of all, that's, everybody should be utilizing their coach for that reason. And so I think that that's an important thing. If you have a coach that is not either uh, being upfront about the why, like, Hey, explaining everything right out of the gate or is annoyed that you're asking why you need a new coach. Cause I think that's, I hire people. So I, I mean, I will take on clients who specifically say that that's what they'd like out of the coaching. I'm not here and coach should not be there to just mail you a, a macro sheet and a, a workout that they send to everybody else and then run away. It's just like the point is for you to grow. And, and if you express that you are a beginner, man, you should find a coach who knows you are a beginner because they should be well prepared for the questions that you are going to have. Um, and so that, again, comes down to like vetting the right person for you. Absolutely. So you mentioned the word earlier, hypertrophy. And so let's, I'd, I'd like to, just someone who maybe is definitely a beginner and may not have a clue what hypertrophy is, or like what the difference between that and like powerlifting is and such like, but like, what are the basic differences between the two? What's cool is if you're new to anything, you adapt quickly to everything. So if you're brand new to training, and you do, you have the question in your brain. You're like, what's the difference between strength and hypertrophy? I've heard these two words. What's cool is for you, there is a massive overlap. If you do strength training, which on average just means, you know, much heavier weight in that like three to six rep range, maybe three to eight rep range on average. And when we talk about lower reps, what that means is concomitantly higher weights because mm-hmm. you would need higher weights to, to get into that lower rep range. Um, whether you're doing that or hypertrophy training, which allows for a wider rep range, maybe in the five to 20 on average, you're going to get stronger and build muscle. And so hypertrophy technically means building, actually it means just growth in general, but muscle hypertrophy means the growth of new muscle and strength training would be the just simple ability to lift more weight. And what's cool is guess what you're going to, you don't need to know the difference between the two of them because what your programming should look like is probably a bit, a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And if you just do mostly strength training, because you find yourself with the best friend who's a powerlifting gym, you go with them, you're going to grow like a weed. You're going to get a lot of hypertrophy. You're going to get really strong. If you hire a coach and the programming is a little bit more geared towards building muscle, AKA hypertrophy, you're going to get really, really strong too. And so there's way more overlap than we think. Both of them are going to take hard work. Both of them are going to involve some combination of free weights and machines. And the the biggest differences, I suppose, would be that hypertrophy is going to be uh, taking the muscle close to failure within, let's say, the 5 to 30 rep range. So a very moderate-sized rep range, not super high, not super low, with moderate rest times and moderate amount of sets. And if you really wanted to get really strong and didn't care about building muscle, you might work in slightly lower rep ranges with slightly heavier weights, with slightly longer rest, with slightly less amount of sets. All of that to say, if you shoot for the average, if you take a Venn diagram of strength and hypertrophy and you just plop yourself right in the middle there and you are a beginner, you will get a lot of both. And if you can imagine a Venn diagram where we have that like middle overlap, mm-hmm. that overlap in the beginning is like 90%. And there's like 5% on the right for hypertrophy and 5% on the left. And as you get more trained, as you do this middle ground training, let's say a little bit of everything, that Venn, those two circles start to split apart and you have less overlap. And so it's like, as you get, you know, it's like a kid playing sports when he's playing lacrosse as a kid or basketball, he's kind of good at everything. He's like, okay, I played lacrosse and I'm good at basketball and I'm good at soccer. But as you get older and kids start to get better and you start to get better at soccer, you get better at basketball. Eventually you want to pick one, or at least they start to like diverge a little bit more. So for the context of this conversation, um, most people, probably that's not a question that they need to be asking. They need to be working hard in the five to 15 rep range for the most part with exercises that work muscles that, that direct, uh, growth towards muscles they want to grow. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, it's tricky because the more that comes out of my mouth, the more I'm like, Hey, hire a coach, get a program, ask why, <laughs> ask why, and yeah. have that discussion with somebody. And you might find that you care less about the why than you think, and you value the turning your brain off more. Mm-hmm. And you might find that you're really interested in the why, and you value that question asking, you know, um, with your coach. And that's cool. Wherever you fall on that spectrum is great. You need to get out of fitness, whatever you, you want to get out of it. 
Absolutely. And, and while we're kind of like talking about like terms and stuff, and I don't want to go down the, you know, like all the really in-depth ones that really don't matter to someone who isn't a beginner, but someone who is a beginner, maybe hears like these terms like rep range or reps in reserve or like tempo, like what are some like, I know, and I, you had a great post on this a few like weeks back or a couple months back about like some different like basic terms for like working out. What would we say like, you know, like your five like most common-ish terms that you would like make sure that like you, someone would understand if they're starting out in gym? Yeah, I think rep range is an important one. I think rep range is just how many repetitions of an exercise you're doing. And so if it's eight reps, that means you're doing eight repetitions of something. And that's usually prescribed by a coach and it's usually a range. And so your coach will say, hey, you're going to do 10 to 15 reps of this exercise. They give you a range because it's more important that you work hard and you get close to failure. And failure, again, would be a term I would, I would want somebody to learn, which just means the point in which you could do no more good reps. And so if you're doing a bicep curl, it's the point in which you could no longer bring the dumbbells up to your shoulders, let's say. Um, and so they'll likely give you a rep range, which you could fall anywhere. You, if somebody says you could do 10 to 15 reps, you could get 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever. That's your coach saying, hey, anywhere in there is fine as long as you're working hard, uh, mm -hmm. as long as you're getting close to failure. Um, yeah, I'd say reps in reserve or RPE is an important one only from the understanding that how hard you work is the most important independent variable. It is not how many reps you did, because I could give you one pound dumbbells. You could do 15 curls and you're like, Hey, I did 15 curls, but I would ask you, Hey, is it hard? And you'd be like, no, that's not hard. And so the most important variable for you seeing positive changes is just the working hard part. And so if you go into a gym and you're like, Hey, I know how to do this exercise. I don't really know how many reps to do. I don't really share how many sets to do, but I know how to do it. Well, okay. <laughs> Just sit down and get close to failure, which means work hard to the point where you could almost do no more reps and you are way ahead of the game. And so what RPE or RIR is two ways to kind of quantify the question of how hard should this be? And RPE stands for rating of perceived exertion, which is very like it, our brains know what that means. It just means from one to 10, how hard was this? If you do a set, you stand up, you look at your personal trainer, you, you, you send a, your coach a video and you're like, your coach says, how hard was that? He's looking to, to know from one to 10, an RPE, how hard was that? Mm -hmm. A 10 would probably represent that failure point where you couldn't do another rep. And then it's fairly subjective from there on down. It's like, okay, you got, you stood up, you're like, that's about an eight. Uh, and so it's a subjective rating of perceived exertion. That's what the acronym means. RIR is a basically the opposite of RPE in terms of a number scale. It means reps in reserve. And essentially, let's say you're doing that exercise and you finish and you turn around to your personal trainer. And instead of saying, how hard was it? He asks you, how many more could you do in what reps in reserve means reps in reserve means how many did you leave left in the tank? How many could you have done if you went all the way to failure? And so mm -hmm. there are two ways to quantify how hard was this, which is the most important variable bar none, not how many sets, not how many reps, not which exercise, not what days you work out, not the split, not the frequency. Did you work hard in this set? Everything else doesn't matter if you're not doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other ones that you think, uh, I don't think tempo is one that's super important. No. I think, uh, I think, I think maybe the idea of like pushing and pulling can be, can be helpful. Yeah. I think if you're trying to build a balanced day, we need to look at the muscles of the body, at least very generally break mm -hmm. it down into categories. So we're at least recovering all of our bases. And I think I would break the, the body down into like, say four quadrants, upper and lower, and then a push mm -hmm. and a pull on both of those segments. And so exercises for the upper body have a, some of them you are pulling and some of them you are pushing. And if you are pushing, that's usually a uh, chest exercise or a shoulder exercise or a tricep exercise. And if you are pulling, let's say like a lat pull down or a row, that's usually a back exercise or a bicep exercise. And so we can break down the upper body into pushing and pulling. We can also break down the lower body into pushing and pulling. Maybe pushing would be more quads, more lunging, more leg pressing, more squatting. And pulling would be more glutes and hamstrings, which might be more RDLs, more deadlifts, more hip thrusts, more glute bridge. And truthfully, again, you don't necessarily need to know this right off the bat, but it is something that if you hire a coach and you say, hey, my goal is for in six months to be able to write myself a program, this is something that you guys will go over. And so just breaking the body down into like quadrants is a good place to start. And then being able to identify which exercises might go in each of those buckets is another next step that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. Once you can do that, I think you'd be ready to listen to that podcast that I have or speak with your coach and, and start to put together a plan where maybe you're designing your own programs. Um, but that would be a good place that I would start is at least understanding, okay, which exercises work, which muscle groups. 
Yeah. And actually, and, I, and I, if you don't mind, like kind of like maybe just, and not, not in a ton of detail, but like, maybe like, and you already mentioned a few for like the legs and such, but like for like the upper body pulling and pushing, like what would be like, maybe like two or three of um, an example, just for someone like maybe it was like, really doesn't know a whole lot about it and is wanting to maybe like go out and just like Google some like workouts. Like if what workouts could you tell them to look at? It's like give them a really good, basic, like pushing exercise, a pulling exercise, like really simple. Yeah. So you will, you will catch on now that you might hear in an exercise title, the word press. And if it has a dumbbell bench press or an overhead press, those synonymous with push. And so those would fall into that push bucket. An overhead press would be a shoulder motion that involves pushing a dumbbell chest press or a barbell bench press. Those are all pushing exercises. Um, it gets a little nuanced when we talk about triceps, when you find exercises that don't have the word press in them, but anything that works the triceps, like a tricep push down again, there you go. That's the word push or a tricep extension. Again, once you start to understand some of what, the, what things work, what muscles you can be like, okay, it doesn't have the word push in it, but I know this works to triceps. So I would look for those identifying words first, like push or press and be like, oh, okay. These exercises, like a push up, is a push exercise. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at pulling, you're going to look for similar words, obviously opposite words like pull and row. If you have a lat pull down or a single arm pull down or a single arm dumbbell row or a chest assisted row or a machine row, you know that pull and row are going to be in that pull category. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can also just lump in bicep curls. So anything that says curl, um, you know, do you need to work all those muscles together is a whole nother discussion, but you could, you could say, Hey, I'm just going to do a pull day where I'm going to do things that start with pull or end in row. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to work my biceps. And then I'll do a push day where things that end in press and I'll work my triceps. Um, and you'd be off to a pretty good start, um, for lower body, most push exercises are going to be squats, lunges, and then things that primarily work your quads, which could be like a machine leg press or a machine leg extension for a lower body pull day. You'd be looking at most exercises that work stuff on the back of your body, like your hamstrings and your glutes and your calves. And what that's probably going to look like is some form of an, a hinge motion, like a deadlift or an RDL. Both of those are fine. Um, maybe some form of a glute bridge or a hip thrust, and then some form of a hamstring curl. Um, those don't have as many like identifying words, but if you're thinking about push, we're thinking about the muscles on the front of the body. We're thinking about pull. We're thinking about the muscles on the back of the body. That is not the end of the discussion, but sh shoot, it's going to get you pretty far. If you can organize a workout based around one of those four quadrants and then just work freaking hard when you sit down at the machines or the dumbbells, you can get pretty far that way. Absolutely. Man, you didn't even mention your favorite. <laughs> Which? <laughs> Bulgarian split squats. <laughs> yeah, I said split squats. I said split squats and lunges. I thought I heard yeah, squat, yeah. but. <laughs> no, no you might be right. You might be right. I don't know. If, I'm not. I want them to like me, Chase. I don't need people hating uh -huh, me at uh -huh, the first, uh -huh, uh, first glance sure. here. Yeah. Didn't you put that on your first group programming? <laughs> I did. Oh, Callie did. Oh, Callie did. Yes. Yeah, of course, it was Callie. She's, uh, she's right here. Oh. For those who can't see, Callie is Jordan's yeah. and Jenna's dog. <laughs> she does all my programming. So she's she's the head of my R and D department. She does all the complaints, all that stuff. So got it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, another thing I think I want to kind of chat about as well is like someone, and I, actually before we get to that, and I this this actually just popped in my head as we were chatting about this last thing was like let's talk about the balance between. You have the people who don't think they can lift that much. And they're like under, like they're, they're grabbing like the two pound dumbbells and they're doing all their workouts with those versus, and, and, and I'm not trying to be discriminatory here, but like the guys who are picking up like the hundred pound dumbbells and like trying to literally like kill themselves with, at, at the gym and like their form is absolute crap because they can't control the weight. But like, how do you find that? like, what would you tell someone like, who is like kind of like on either end of that to get more comfortable, like getting towards that middle ground? I would ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would. Uh, I think it's not, I think it's okay. If you preface something by saying, Hey, I've been doing this for a decade. I've worked with probably thousands of people and I can confidently say on average, not everybody on average, women can work harder than they think and should get heavier weight and are very technique savvy and care more about their technique, but maybe can lift more than they think. And men are the opposite where they're totally comfortable working super hard, but could probably do slightly better with less load and more emphasis on technique. Again, that's not everybody. And it's not a complete generalization, but on average, it's some, it's something to be introspective about and say, Hey, is that, do I fall into that category? I would say it's best to, it's hard to be objective with yourself. 
Um, you know, I will have right now in my group program, I offer people, they can send a form video to the group chat and I can critique it. And one of the best utilizations or the best ways people are using that is to send a form video and say, I think I was working 10 out of 10. What do you think? And so getting some objective eyes on this and say, hey, how does my form look? I think I'm working hard, but my form might be suffering. Or I think my form looks good, but do you think I'm actually close to failure? Do you think I've actually worked that hard? And obviously it's, you know, I don't know internally what's going on with you, but you, you mm-hmm. should be able to see in some uh, uh, no, notable changes, maybe in facial expression or the speed in which the weight is moving. Um, and so again, I circle back to like, get some objective feedback. Cause sometimes you're, you know, it's tough to critique yourself. That said, the best way to help critique yourself is to take form videos of yourself. And I know that some people are intimidated enough to just go in the gym and lift weights, let alone like be the person who's like setting up their phone to take a form video. But let's say you're in the comfort of your own home or you don't care what people think. And you're just like, screw it. This is important for me to see taking form videos of yourself or getting somebody to give you some objective feedback is really helpful because sometimes it is hard to tell while you're doing it and you're not seeing it. You're taking a step back and seeing it like from a third person view. Yeah. Awesome. And you actually answered one of the questions that um, someone asked, want me to bring up was like when they're working independently, how to make sure a technique and form is good, um, which definitely I would recommend it. It is. And I'm not going to lie. It definitely is awkward. Like when you first start videoing yourself in the gym and trying to like, you know, set your camera up and you're thinking like, what, what's everyone thinking about guys? No one really cares. <laughs> no <laughs> one anything, cares. I, I was actually, in the gym. Go ahead. Go ahead. Or I was just say, actually, I've had one person mention something about me recording myself and actually they were like super impressed that it was like an awesome idea. So like, it wasn't even like something yeah. negative. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the gym this morning. Uh, I belong to a gold's gym and it is, it's like Globo gym. You know, it's like, it's like every gym that you think is a gym with a thousand people in it, million machines. And 99% of people will fall into one of two categories. One, they're narcissistic and they only care about themselves and they're not even looking at you. And two, they don't know what the hell they're doing either <laughs> because the stuff that I see in the gym is just insane. Now that's not, oh, yes. and, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm going no. there and I'm like, oh, everybody's doing everything wrong. My point no. is most people aren't as confident in what they're doing as you think they are. Mm-hmm. And so you doing something to become more confident, AKA taking a form video um, is going great. Most people don't, I'm not saying that, that they're, most people don't know anything and that everyone's critiquing everyone in the gym. That's definitely not what's happening, but most people don't know enough to then be critiquing you. Nobody is looking at you like, wow, look at your form sucks. Like nobody is doing that because they're either too focused on themselves or they don't actually know anything. Um, and so I think taking form videos is great. And you can, Chase, you can attest to this. It's probably not something you do forever, right? No. Like, it's something that you and I do in the beginning of each block of training. Yep. Whenever we have a new exercise, we're like, hey, let's spend two, three weeks really ironing this in. And then we can package it away in the, in, in the file of stuff that you know how to do. And mm-hmm. then maybe so often we we pull it out and we check on things. But um, in the beginning, it's going to take, it's a, it's like everything else, the learning curve. It's like in the beginning, you don't know anything. So you're like, all right, I need to film all my technique. And then I guarantee you, you're doing more things correct than incorrect. And again, working with a coach or even with your own knowledge. A lot of times when I was personal training, I would take a video of a client doing something and we would talk about it together. And I would say, does this look right? Most of the time you have at least some intuitive response of like, yeah, maybe I'm flinging the weight up or that, mm-hmm. that I'm on my toes. That doesn't look right. Um, and so you could maybe do more than you think with just your own ability to just look at the video afterwards. But man, this is where getting objective feedback from professionals, it's, it's easier than you think you're not taking form videos 24 seven. Um, it's not as scary as you think. And we can talk, we can go right into like, what about fear of just getting into the gym at all? Yeah. I'd love um, to talk about that. I know. I, 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 I want, it's, it's a little bit of a heavy conversation because we're talking about feelings here and we're talking about like, it, it's an emotional discussion. And so it is already not, not purely rational. Cause I think if anybody has a fear of going to the gym and you sit with them, you say, Hey, which decision are you going to regret more? 10 years from now that you stayed home and you, ha I didn't show myself at the gym mm-hmm. or that you went to the gym, confronted those fears and realized one, that you are the person that you are there for and you are benefiting yourself and you are benefiting future self and current self. Um, and two, again, that most people don't care. And I would go as far as say, not that most people don't care, but most people actually do care in a very positive way. Yes. And um, the, the two, I have two strong feelings. One, I think most people, the narcissistic comment is interesting because I actually don't think most people are that way. I actually think some people are that way. And those people, you don't care about those people. Those people are 
not the kind of person that you care about their opinion of you. And the other 98% of people are super, super there to, to be encouraging and are proud that you're there and <laughs> would help if you asked. And Absolutely. I've, I've, oh, I've had way more positive experiences at the gym or seen positive experiences in the gym or had positive experiences with clients going to the gym for the first time than negative ones. It's very rare that you go in there and you're like, wow, I got ridiculed. P.S. If somebody ridicules you for going to the gym, I don't even know if I'm allowed to curse, but that person right sucks. Ahead. That person sucks. Like that's that person sucks. Um, and yeah. and then if that and, and again, you know, that can be a negative experience where you're like, okay, I'm a little more gun shy now, but like, I don't know, I don't want to live in, uh, I don't want to live a life where I've allowed a person who I know is like got their own issues apparently get in the way of me getting healthy, um, healthier, happier, whatever reason you, you're going to the gym for. So I, I would. It's a little heavy, but I would consider the regret discussion. Like, which decision are you going to regret more? Not going to the gym and letting the fear control what you think might be best or, you know, biting the bullet, taking uh, taking a chance, having some courage and getting in there, even if you don't know what to do. Everybody was a beginner once. Um, and most people, almost everybody is in there rooting for you, either consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, Absolutely. No, you're exactly right. And and, and I would honestly, and I think back to even when I first started going to the gym back at my heaviest, like, you know, of course I was super self-conscious the entire time when I first started. And like every experience that I have with someone like confronting me in the gym was, I don't think I actually ever had a negative experience. I mean, who knows what people are thinking and who cares? I mean, that's what their, their thoughts are, but like most people were either like, dude, I can really tell you've been losing weight or, you know, man, you're, you know, you're doing a really good job or I've made, you know, I've had like maybe like two people tell me like when my form like actually did suck and I was actually <laughs> really harming myself when I first started doing free weights, they might be come up to me like, Hey, you know, maybe do this instead of that. Like most people aren't going to, but it's like, you know, they do care about you and they don't want to see you hurt. So no, I, it's all been good experiences. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit, uh, uh, I don't know how this would come off, but I just, I just think that if there's somebody out there who, like you said, I don't know what people are thinking. Like, I just think of the kind of person, and I think about this correlation to social media that I'll do in a second, but I think the kind of person who's sitting there, who's like, look at this, look at this fat person. How dare they be here? Like oh, taking, like, look how shitty their form is. Like, like that kind of person is literally the dementor of the earth, the scum of the earth. And I think about mm -hmm. that person and I, I, per, I myself don't want to be the kind of person who's letting that person who literally is the scum of the earth for, for the thoughts or the words that are coming out of their mouth, get in the way of me living my best life. And I think about this on social media, like whether you have a thousand followers, 200 followers or 20,000 followers, like inevitably the vast majority of people are going to be super, super nice and super supportive. And it's going to be, a, social media has been a wonderful experience for me. But one out, one out of every thousand people is going to be a troll and <laughs> is going to be rude and is going to be yep. mean. And, you know, I think about in the beginning, I'm not saying I have a huge following, but the beginning when it was smaller, I used to get like really, I get a ton of anxiety about that. And it made me gun shy about posting stuff. I like would mm -hmm. rewrite it. What, what I wrote a thousand times. I'm like, did I bother somebody? Did I, could I re put another disclaimer in here? You know, like, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying you should care. You shouldn't care at all what other people think in general, but I, I was thinking like, well, this one person is going to tear me down when they have issues projecting upon me in this situation. Um, and it just, it does correlate of like, I was shy about posting on social media because I was afraid of what one terrible dementor person would say instead of what, all the good that might come from it. And so mm -hmm. maybe another thought there. Absolutely. Well, let's kind of, I want to um, take on another um, topic here about advantages and disadvantages of working out at home versus working out at the gym. Because I know there's some people that feel like either one, they feel like they can't, um, or two, maybe they, they feel like they just don't have the courage to go to the gym yet. Or maybe they think, Oh, I can do everything I need to at home. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that that's a good discussion because obviously we're in a post uh, pandemic or current pandemic situation where we're, we're locked down and people are at least considering the option of working out at home. Um, if you're a beginner and you get a pair of adjustable dumbbells and an adjustable bench and a pair of bands, you can do, you can do a whole hell of a lot. You can do really, really, really good, hard training and build a ton of muscle. Again, we talked about, you know, kind of the more advanced you become, the more variation, the more weight, the more uh, benefit to having of a, a, a higher variety of equipment will be beneficial to you. 
And so if you ask me a beginning question of, hey, is it better to be in a gym or at home with less equipment? It's better to be in a gym. How much better is it? Well, it's more, it's, it gets more better. There's more benefit to it. The more muscle that you have, the more advanced you become. And so if you're a beginner and you, you're, you already have like a decent home gym, um, what I'll say is it is important for you to have relatively heavy loads. And so um, I don't think this like, oh, I have tens and fifteens. I don't need to go to the gym. It's like, well, I do think if you are going to stay home that investing in some equipment, uh, some adjustable dumbbells, some, whether that's adjustable via having one dumbbell that's adjustable or a couple of varied dumbbells, a bench, some bands or whatever else you and your coach decide is important, but there are benefits to going to the gym machines and cables. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I guess machines, and cables would be the difference can be super, super helpful, but are they super meaningful for you at first starting out? Maybe, maybe not. They might provide a fun factor of having some variation, mm -hmm. but man, I, I mean, I have an entire group called home bodies of a hundred plus people. We're all working out at home. Now I've, I've, I've not forced them to, but I've had a stipulation where they should invest in XYZ equipment but it's not the same as going to the gym and you can still make unbelievable gains. And so I think a binary question of, is it better to go to the gym? The answer is yes. Is it much better for a beginner? Definitely not. Does it become more important? The, the more advanced you become training three, four, five, six, seven years into your training career. Yes. It becomes more important. Um, but you can get, you can get by. Remember guys, it's the working hard. That is the more important thing. If you tell me you have a bicep curl machine at the gym or a pair of dumbbells at home, I'll bet on the person who's, taking their sets on average closer to failure, who's working harder on average. Um, and so I think that that's a really important thing. I, this, listen, I, I went online coaching at the beginning of this pandemic and all of my clients were at home and they had very little equipment. Um, and we were able to do really, really good work. Some of them have eventually gotten to the point where going to the gym is meaningfully beneficial. And some of them are still working at home and have gotten some heavier weights and still crushing it there. And so um, I think if you're thinking about working at home, what, what could be a helpful kind of generalized answer would be if you're thinking about working at home, I would invest in some equipment. I would see that as something where it's like, don't, yeah, you're like, I have a pair of ankle weights, a Swiss ball and a pair of fives. Like, that's not it. No. Like I would invest in, nope. or, or go to a gym by the way. But if you want to stay home, I would recommend investing in some weight first. Um, whether that's a barbell and plates or adjustable dumbbells, dumbbells, you probably get more versatility out of. Um, I would say if you're working out at home, it's a worthy investment. It's not, it's not something that I, I would never recommend you waste your money on stuff, but it is a worthy investment, especially if you want to take it relatively seriously. Uh, and you can get away with doing a lot, a lot of good hard training at home, but yeah, the gym has more equipment. So it has more opportunities for you to have some, to inject some variety into your training. Awesome. Couldn't agree more with that. Well, before we wrap up here, I'm going to, I want to end with a question that one of my clients had actually asked, um, that, and normally at the end of my podcast, I always ask, you know, like, what's like two pieces of advice you could give somebody, yada, 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 yada. And this is kind of like where she went, but like, she said, what is the most valuable piece of advice you could give someone who is brand new to strength training has never done strength training before? What's the best piece of advice you could give them? The best piece of advice as somebody who's never done any strength training before. Yeah. Um, and, and I won't use the hire a coach one because I would say that yes. that is the first one. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I would say start slow and you need less than you think. Um, I, I would start with the hire a coach part, but then I would do the start slow. I think it's, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in like, okay, I'm seeing this program and this person's workout and they're doing these intricate exercises and thinking that that needs to be you. It doesn't. It's the same with nutrition. There are nutrition training wheels. If you've never understood even what carbs, fats, and proteins are, or why vegetables are important. Like you start with the basics first and you work up in complexity from there. So I would say starting slow is awesome because it's so, it's so interesting because you, you get what's called newbie gains when you first start, mm -hmm. meaning, you know, when first of all, newbie gains happen in any physiological adaptation. So anything that you're doing, if you've never picked up a golf club before, and then you go play in a week, you will be much better. In two weeks, you'll be much better. In five years, you'll be less better because those, those adaptations slow down. And so when you're brand mm -hmm. new to strength training and you don't have a lot of muscle, you don't have to do that much work and you can get an amazing return on that. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean you don't work hard at all and you go once a week, but it doesn't mean you need to go four times a week for 90 minutes or have these crazy intricate workouts or crazy intricate sets and rep schemes and all this stuff. Like you get, you get to capitalize on the fact that this is new. It's a novel to your body. It's a novel stimulus. Those adaptations are very sensitive. It's like somebody who's never had caffeine before. You probably don't need a quad espresso, venti, whatever. Um, that Somebody got that in front of me the other day. Uh, it was like a grande iced coffee with four added shots of espresso. I'm like, 
that person is flying. I'm like one <laughs> sip of that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm awake for three days. And so I would say I recommend starting slow. I would recommend hiring the coach first. Um, and I would recommend taking that process seriously and trying to vet somebody that you vibe with as willing to spend some time with you. I have clients who are more advanced who require less of my time. Great. I have other clients who are on the more beginner side of the spectrum who require more of my time and have certain different side of questions. That's great too. Find somebody who's like, Hey, have you worked with people who are training at home? Yes. Mm -hmm. Have you worked with maybe, maybe, you, maybe, maybe, maybe you're overweight. And you're like, have you worked with somebody who's like, not been in a gym before and maybe carrying a little bit extra body fat and you know, whatever this describe yourself. And has this person worked with this person? Do they know how to solve your problems? Do they know how to answer your questions? And do they speak in a way where I used to say, when people would ask me, how do I pick a personal trainer in-person personal trainer, that the most important variable was who can you spend 30 to 60 minutes with without wanting to blow your brains out. And so I know the most important thing for my clients who hire me is that we get along and that we have a good understanding of the expectations of one another. And so take your time, reach out to some coaches, make sure that they understand your position, speak up, ask questions. You know, this is your health, take control of it and, and find somebody that you really, you really vibe with. And that might not be one person forever. That might be one person who's ripe for you where you are at right now. And you Absolutely. might outgrow that over time and allow yourself to do that. But um, yeah, don't, don't run before you can walk, find somebody who's like, aware of where you are and has worked with people in your situation and, and go from there. Awesome. Jordan, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with me on the podcast today and can't wait to get those from my listeners. I know a lot of people are really excited for this one. When I told them you were coming on the show and what we'll be talking about. Um, before we close out here, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, taking clients right now, drop podcasts, anything like that. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on. I know that there's going to be a good overlap of some of our followers together. You have a following of really amazing people. And what I will say really quickly, just to kind of, you know, give you, throw you some, a bone here is like, you <laughs> remind me of that kind of person who, because maybe it's because you kind of can see yourself in those shoes where I know you would be the kind of person who's like, I will be with you through this beginner phase. And I will answer those questions and I am compassionate to the situation and I'm not going to overcomplicate things and we're not going to overwhelm you. Um, and so while I was describing that person, I was like, this, this would be chase for me. Like this would be chase because <laughs> he's you. been, maybe because he's been there, but also because I think that you have the type of personality who would be compassionate towards that situation. So, um, yeah, whatever. That's a shameless plug for you. Um, time to plug me. No, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you can find me. Best place to find me is on Instagram at Jordan lips fitness. I also host a podcast as well. It's, it's called Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk about nutrition and mostly hypertrophy training. That's what I specialize in. Uh, and if you are looking for coaching options right now, I'm not taking one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, but I do have group programming available. So if you are looking for exercise programs where you get everything prescribed to you, reps and sets and weight and rest and technique videos and a good group community, it's been a special place so far. But I, what I will say is if you have never picked up a weight before and you're listening to this podcast and you do want to get started and you heard all of this, like hire a coach stuff, that wouldn't be where I would go. I would hire somebody one-on-one. -on -one. It's going to spend a little bit more time on things with you. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, man, for coming on the show. Glad to have you and always thankful for everything you do to help me as a coach as well. Thanks, man. Pleasure to, have, pleasure to be here. See you, all right, guys, take care and talk to you later. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Shades and Health podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.